I'm Maite. I'm Jordan. I'm Peyton. And, and this, this is, is Comics Runners. Who is Black Widow? Is she an Avenger? Is she a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent? Is she a spy? Is she not a hero? Like, who is she? Wow. We're starting with the hard-hitting questions today. I know. Like, well, I was thinking that when I was reading it. I was like, who is, who is this lady? It's funny because I actually kind of had a question similar to that. It was like, what like remains consistent about her through every series and i think that kind of ties into what defines her but i don't know i kind of don't think she falls into a category and that's kind of what makes her black widow right i mean she's been a spy she's been a double agent she's been an avenger she's been a hero she's been a villain so i guess kind of copping out by saying she's none of those things she's this black widow but that's kind of what i think i think for me it's more not that she needs a title but more like she's predominantly on the side of good now like, her methods might not always be what other people would consider good, i.e. Captain America and the most recent Black Widow run. But <laughs> overall, Natasha still has good intentions, and that's kind of what she's aiming for. She's not aiming for the bad intentions anymore, <laughs> for the most part. Yeah, I think, I mean, when I read her, I always read her as, like, a spy more than anything else. And I feel like that's where, like, the MCU movies don't always understand her. Because they're like, send her out on the front field. And I'm like, what is she supposed to do? Like, she's fighting alongside Thor. Like, she's a spy. Like, that's, she, like, infiltrates. She doesn't, like, come out with a glowing hammer. Like, it's not her game. Yeah, I get that. Although... Right now, it'd be kind of hard to have her spying. That's their job. Find a way for her to spy or make Scarlet Witch a decent character. It is interesting, though, at the, um, I think, the end of the 2014 series of Black Widow, when they have the last days arc where it's like a flashback to her being a spy. Oh, yeah. It kills that whole family. And I'm like reading it and I was just like, it didn't, it sounds really bad, but like it didn't really bother me. And it's interesting because... It didn't bother me because I already knew Black Widow as a hero and as someone who's trying to be good and I sympathize with her backstory. But it's interesting if those if that was reversed and if I was like more aware of what she did in her past, would I be less sympathetic now to her? Yeah, that's a good question. Because it's we don't really see that side of Natasha in like modern comics, you know? Like we see like her in like the old comics that nobody reads that are really like misogynistic and gross. But like she was trying to kill like all the Avengers for like a hot second there in like the 60s. Sweep that under the rug. <laughs> yeah, just like forget about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, I thought it was interesting that Peyton brought that part up because at the end of the first issue of the 2010 run, they kind of go into her like whole backstory, which for me, that was kind of the first time I'd really read all of it. I mean, yeah, we kind of know it inherently and you kind of know what she did vaguely, but reading it all from like essentially the first time she was in comics in a comic about her being a good guy <laughs> was really interesting to kind of just juxtapose with what she was really like. Hold on. Of course, this always happens. I got to invest in my burrito. Okay, I'll throw out a big other, like, kind of overarching question. What's her greatest strength as a character, and what's her, like, fatal flaw, if she has one? I mean, you look in the 2014 series especially, she has this concept about herself where she just thinks that she has to do everything alone. And I think that's a big one, where she just thinks that she maintains successful relationships with people because of her past and how a lot of people she's cared about have ended up dying or betraying her and such. So, you know, kind of valid. I would feel the same way if I was a spy and, you know, you can't get close to anyone. So, but at the same time, like she's been on a team of people like the Avengers who've been 
you know, relatively loyal and such. But yeah, I guess like her thinking that she just has to be alone and everything. Yeah, I agree. I think that could almost be also one of her greatest strengths, I guess. <laughs> wow, that was bad. But I think that could equally be her greatest strength or maybe not her greatest, but one of her greatest strengths purely because when she recognizes how she works alone in a group, which sounds like an oxymoron, but isn't supposed to be, but how she works alone while also kind of keeping in contact with that group and keep doing like the weird loner things that they need her to do that all of them don't want to do necessarily or can't do or their status as superhero. Even though I would put her in that same status, some of them, you know, are more outwardly morally upright, like Captain America or even Hawkeye sometimes I think isn't totally cool with everything Natasha does. But I totally lost her. I was going with that. Yes. But her lonerness as a, you know, a great strength for her because she can do all those things that other people can't or won't do for various reasons. Anyway, I think it depends on which run and which writer is writing her as to how she feels about it. Because is it the 2014 run when she's working with Maria Hill a lot? She like kind of vets like people she wants to kill and make sure that they're like bad people. So I guess it's still like good. It's totally fine. Yeah, I think it depends because Maria Hill obviously trusts her a lot. But then we also see not like essentially get left out in the cold when she's not pristine enough for S.H.I.E.L.D. to kind of back up anymore. And Nat also talks about how she doesn't like being a soldier and she likes being a spy more. So in that run, like I don't think she's cool with it versus other runs or other things that she's done. Yeah, because she's like, well, I like know I have to be alone. But also, I'm here to help, but I'm a loner. But I'm cool with it this time around. I feel like we get to see more of who she actually is when she's on her own. So I like that perspective a lot. Like, yeah. the, new, like the new 2019 series, I really like just because she's kind of literally... Oh, I was going to say unhinged, but I makes it sound like she's crazy or something. But like, no, she's just like free. And she's like, I'm just going to do whatever I want whenever I want. And it's just kind of refreshing to see that. I'm sure a lot of people are going to be like, she's so emotionally, like you said, like unhinged in the series. But I think it's pretty warranted. Right? After like her getting all like tangled up in Secret Empire and like training all those kids to kill people like that was and then getting killed by her friend like that was a lot. It's a lot to take in. A lot's an understatement. And then her, learning her body is in her own body and etc etc. I guess my answer to Peyton's question about where I prefer seeing her. I kind of like seeing her working with S.H.I.E.L.D. I like her more solo but I like seeing her working with S.H.I.E.L.D. because it brings out a different side of her that you kind of don't expect, especially with all of her upbringing in the Red Room and stuff, you kind of would expect her to stay as far away from organized crime. And then I was like, well, is that S.H.I.E.L.D.? I guess. Like, I think it kind of applies to S.H.I.E.L.D. as well. But regardless, you would expect her to kind of stay away from things like that. So when she does agree to work with Maria Hill or work with S.H.I.E.L.D. or work with the Avengers, I think that brings out a whole different side of Natasha that I like to see. And I think that's like the idea that they are going for in the MCU movies. But I'm not sure it's always fully brought to where it should be and where it could be. Yeah, I think that's such a good point because it really does bring out her more like social side and it shows her like slowly growing, I think, and just like being able to have normal relationships like that scene in the 2010 series where she's like going out to dinner with Bucky it's like oh my heart it's so much it's so cute I love it you think she wants that you know like does she want we talked about this on the Jean Grey podcast too it's like what is a normal life for Natasha and slash and does she want it 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I don't know. I think it for her, it depends. Cause I'm also like kind of confused sometimes why she has so many romantic relationships. Like she's been around, like she's had a lot of like relationships with people and like Daredevil, Hawkeye, Hercules for a hot second. Like I kind of wonder, I feel like she's really searching for something like a real, like meaningful, long lasting relationship, but she's having a hard time finding one. I love Natasha and Bucky together. And I think this kind of plays into what you're just saying, Peyton, because I do think she's searching, but I think she found it when she was with Bucky, honestly. And I'm not just saying that because I love them together, but I honestly think that them working together as a team, both romantically and physically. I don't know what the right descriptive word is. But uh, they're working together, you know, they're dating and then they're also <laughs> like fighting together. I do think them together is one of those relationships that a lot of our superheroes don't often have where it's very clear that both of them know maybe not everything that the other person is doing, but they know what's going on with the other person. And like Nat can tell Bucky when she's killing people or like Bucky can do the same vice versa. And they understand because they both had that similar upbringing, that similar brainwashing and things like that versus like Spider-Man and MJ where it's like, all right, well you have Spider-Man and Peter Parker, but then like MJ is not really fighting crime on the same side of things. And so there's a different like relationship relationship aspect going on there. I think they're perfect together. Like Jordan was saying, they actually know the like struggles that they went through, which is something in superhero comics that's really rare. I mean, that just doesn't happen very often. I don't really understand Hawkeye and Black Widow. I just don't understand why they would be together. I mean, it makes sense if you think about it when they actually got together because they both kind of made each other good in a sense. So that aspect, like that doesn't surprise me that at the time they got together. Do I think they should get together now? No. Do I think that should really be a flame that they continue to have Hawkeye to carry? Also, no. But I do understand kind of at the beginning where they were coming from and why it would be almost natural for them to get together at the time. If it had had more setup, I think it could have gone over better than it did. Not that I wanted it to, but I think like you could see in their personalities where they would be drawn to each other. That being said, having it just randomly thrown at us in that movie did not go well and did not make any sense. So (laughs) that's where I am at with that one. Anyway, I think if they had gone with more of the Nat really gets the battle weary and not necessarily like wanting to continue with life type aspect that is really huge for Bruce Banner, then like that makes sense to me because she does have that Red Room training, at least assumedly. We don't fully know, but assumedly that's in there. And we hear Loki talk to her about wiping out Red from her ledger and things like that. So that to me clearly ties into the comics and kind of what she has taken on in past series and things like that. So yeah, so if they had gone with that versus whatever they went with, I don't even know the right way to explain it. You know, the lullaby, I guess. I mean, I, I'm fine with that because I don't really know. I don't have another reason to lump the two of them together. Except for maybe, I think, Bruce brings out Natasha's softer side, which I think we kind of see a little bit with her and Bucky in comics. But I don't think we get that same like relationship anywhere else. So I do think that aspect is interesting. But again, the setup is just not there. I don't know why they didn't do like Bucky and Natasha in the like films. But <laughs> I mean, then they would have lost all those Captain America Bucky shippers, just quite like a fluent group. So... But like that's not even going to happen anyway. 
you know? But if they say that it's like Natasha Bucky, I don't know, then it's really closing off the gates to that. I mean, it could still happen. We're getting a Black Widow solo film, which I know Peyton knows because she just wrote an article about it. And I'm sure my Peyton is that too. <laughs> but we're getting that. And again, as Peyton's lovely article said, we don't really know what's going on in it at all. So... There is still the possibility of that being drawn in. And even if it's not drawn in there, from <laughs> that what would be I awesome. am, from what I know, both of their contracts are still kind Sebastian. of... Okay, my theory in the next Avengers movie is that Bucky will become Captain America. I know, but that's also me like wishful thinking too. Well, it happens in the comics, so it definitely could happen. It does. It happens kind of in the same way it could happen in the movie. It's like Captain America dies and they're like, or I should say Steve Rogers dies and they're like, all right, we need a cap. And Tony Stark's like, well... Bucky, Cap would have, or Steve would have wanted you to have this. And so that's kind of what happens there. I don't think that'll happen the same way in the movies. Also, they say Wilson, so he could become Captain America as well. Yeah. Well, all we know is that we know nothing about anything. That's the way it should be. I like surprises. But it's frustrating when you're waiting. Okay, I have a question. I'll ask it this time. Since Peyton stole my last one. No, not really. Okay, so do you guys think Natasha is at her best when she's written by a woman? I don't know if this answers the question. But I feel like the 2010 series had a certain nuance to it that was very... Like, I haven't seen that in any other Black Widow series, at least, that I've read. And perhaps that is because of the female perspective and just... I also think I have to wait for more issues from the Soska sisters to answer that, too. I think both, like, female and male writers can write her well, but I definitely feel like female writers give her a different side that we don't see as much. The sort of, like, I don't know. I mean, the, the thing about, like, her dead baby in the 2010 series, I thought was a little, like, gratuitous in a way, and I didn't really know if that needed to be in there. But I also could see how it gave her like a more it like emphasized her being like a woman, which is not something I think a lot of writers do. They like kind of just don't even comment on it. Like in the 2014 and 16 series, I don't really feel like she could be a guy and it wouldn't really change that much. Whereas in the 2010 series, it felt like more of a female perspective. Yeah, I didn't think I was going to like the whole baby subplot, but I did. I wasn't expecting it because I like didn't really know anything about the series until I read it last week. But I just found it to be really tragic. And it's very unexpected because it was like seeing Natasha at such a young age where she wasn't like, you know, the spy that we know today. Like she's very vulnerable. And the fact at the end that she like went to visit like the burial place of the baby, I just found that really heartbreaking. I'm just talking about the parts that made me sad now. But I agree. I think there was something about that series in particular that really, really drew me into Natasha the person and not Natasha the spy. And again, I don't know if that's because it was written by a woman but I agree with what both of you have said that there's a certain nuance that comes into play when it is a female writer. And I think that's even apparent in the current 2019 Black Widow run. Granted, it's been two issues as of right now, but I do think it's still underlying and it's still kind of there where you do get that whole different perspective. And it's not just Natasha the Spy fighting people. It's Natasha the Spy having feelings almost. And I think a little bit of that is apparent in parts of Tales of Suspense. Although I really think it's the most apparent in the very last issue when it's about Natasha, essentially. 
but yeah, so I think it, overall I get more of that from that Black Widow run by Marjorie than I do kind of from the other two, but that, or the other three, I guess, including Tales of I also Suspense. found it interesting the 2010 series that she fights a lot of like women, like Lady Bullseye and Electra are both in that. And like to have a scene where it's like two women fighting and it not being like grossly over-sexualized is rare. It's also, I was just thinking in that series, it's like all these like male Avengers being like, oh yeah, like Black Widow, you sold us out. And she's like, no, but like sort of, but also no, like. I've got a plan. Yeah, it was a really like creative storyline, like Marjorie's part two. Yeah, I actually have a lot of quotes that I wrote down from that series in particular. I like the other series, but that one in particular really resonated a lot of different things with me. And the first one I wrote down is actually just kind of the description of Natasha. They wrote it, you know, one of those like intros and I don't know which issue. I didn't I didn't go that far, but I did write it down that they described it as hard-bitten, world-weary, and not ready to suffer fools. And if that's not just the most Black Widow description I have ever heard, heard, then I don't know what else kind of trumps that. Because for me, that is so much of who she is as a character. And I think they kind of get away from that occasionally with the world weary parts. Like she's not always kind of as jaded as she maybe should be considering she's lived so very long. But it was really the not ready to suffer fools aspect that I loved because I think that part always kind of stays true within her character. And even if it's not explicitly said, I think it's always apparent and always there that she's like, all right, you're being an idiot. Like, we're done with you type idea. And I think that part also it really translated into her in the Avengers. That's the movie where she's like in the chair at the beginning, right? <laughs> yeah. She always has like a plan and she's not willing to like play around. Like she's not going to like deviate from that like plan. Like, I love that scene with Lady Bullseye thinks that, like, they're going to fight on the train or whatever. And Natasha's like, yeah, no, I, I already poisoned you. Like, <laughs> oh, that was so badass. Like, it wasn't going to kill her. It's just going to make her look dead. So they have to bury her. Oh, brutal. I love it. And then she, like, at the end sits and watches it happen. Like, her get pulled out of the grave and stuff. It's like... I sound, I probably sound, like, super evil. I'm like, I love that part. She's a lot darker than, like, most of the other Avengers. So it's kind of shocking sometimes. Oh, well, so I guess going off of that, do you think they can appropriately do a Black Widow movie that's not R-rated? Because they keep... Like, there's conflicting, like, reports about that, you know? Like, one day it's like, oh, yeah, are making an R-rated movie. Then the next day it's like, just kidding. I'm going to keep it PG-13. I think they could... I don't know if I would like it as much, but I think they could. And even to that extent, like there's a lot of fighting she does that doesn't necessarily have to be like quote unquote R-rated fighting. She really uses like her acrobatics more. But if they don't show her like killing people, I don't think it will get across. Like she's okay with doing that. And that's like totally different than any other like MC movie that we've seen. So I would say I'd prefer an R-rated, but if they picked the right storyline, they could get away with PG-13. Going back to the 2014 series, I really liked the sequences with Laura, X-23. That was really cool. And they like team up and at the end of their adventure, Natasha tells Laura that she's not alone. I thought that was really ironic considering like throughout that whole series, Natasha's literally just like going from mission to mission, trying to, I guess, not maybe focus on her loneliness or just like trying to just isolate herself. Yet she gives this piece of advice to Laura. I thought it was really telling and I really liked their, how they depicted their relationship in that series. They're kind of similar in a lot of ways. And I didn't realize that until I saw them together in this series. And I mean, Natasha has like a pretty close relationship with Wolverine. 
which they show in the 2010 series. But yeah, I would love to see more like relationship building between X-23 and Natasha because they had a very similar like childhood that I feel like they could really bond over. I agree. And I love Laura in any comic, honestly. So wherever she shows up, I'm good. <laughs> but yeah, I do think that there's an aspect of Laura that kind of only Natasha can understand. Maybe Logan too. Maybe because that whole Wolverine thing. But I do think the loner aspect from a female's perspective is really important for Laura to see and hear how other people, other females are specifically are kind of dealing with that and what they do, what advice they do offer. And I think it's so interesting that Natasha recognizes Laura's anger in a way that you don't often see kind of called out. And I haven't read all of X-23 stuff, so there could be other instances where it does get called out. But I think specifically for someone on the outside calling it out in a way that's not bad or in a way that's not like hating on her, it's just saying like, all right, you're more angry than I am is kind of refreshing. I mean, I think and Wolverine's it, like the only other person who regularly does that for Laura. So it's really showing like that Natasha has the capability to be a mentor figure, I think, for Laura that unfortunately they never really delved into. But yeah, I totally agree with everything you said, Jordan. Like she definitely needs like a strong female in her life and she's never really had that but she's now trying to like be that for gabby so it's kind of interesting in the 2014 series do you guys think it's out of character that natasha isn't primed to go for the kill immediately i think that's her trying to kind of assimilate with what her fellow like avengers have been like trying to get her to do i guess i don't think that's her instinct at all I don't think it's out of character. I think that's her kind of trying to do what everyone else is doing. And maybe she's definitely remorseful for the things she's done in the past, I guess. I mean, at least I think so. That's what I think that whole series is trying to say that she's like making up for the past mistakes or whatever. I don't always like that because it's like, okay, for like modern readers, what past mistakes? Like they need to do a better job like recapping all of her past mistakes because we don't really see them that much. Yeah. So I don't... I don't think it was necessarily out of character. I mean, technically, I guess it is, but I didn't think it was just nonchalantly. Like, I think it was because uh, she was trying to redeem herself in a way. I saw it as her way to like train herself to be like a better hero without having like the Avengers breathing down her neck. So it was kind of like a training to be an Avenger sort of thing without having to like embarrass herself in front of Bucky. <laughs> I was so lit at the end. Okay, I shouldn't say lit. I was so excited at the end of uh, Tales of Suspense when she wrote Hawkeye and Bucky those letters and she tells Hawkeye to like not look for her but she tells Bucky to come meet her. I was so excited. <laughs> where is Bucky right now? Does anyone know like what he's doing? Doesn't he have his own series? I'm not sure where he actually is in the comics as far as kind of what he's doing and things like that. Because I often feel like the Winter Soldier kind of gets left to the side because people don't always really know what to do with him, especially because he is kind of so similar to Natasha in like their backstory and kind of upbringing and how they kind of react to things in the world, which to me is a good thing. But I think some writers just kind of are like, well, we've kind of already got Natasha out there. Yeah. So we'll just... I feel like that's probably true. Bucky off to the side. For which is bit. really unfortunate. I don't really know. Like, I was like, well, maybe it would be nice to see Bucky show up in, like, 
the 2019 series that's going on right now. But it is a mini series. I think it's only like five issues. And I actually would like to just see like Natasha do her own thing and like become a little more like adapted, I guess, to this like current situation, Earth 616, and not focus so much on like romance. So, and I don't think they're going to go down that way. It doesn't seem like it. Something interesting I just remembered from the 2014 series. I forgot who she was talking to, but someone calls her a killer, I think. And she's like, no, I'm a murderer. No, no, it's opposite. I think it's in the section with the lion. I think it's that one where he says, oh, oh, no, 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 it's not him. It's like a really random character. She like goes on a mission to save this guy's son and gets set up. And it's like similar to another mission. And she like killed this dude's brother. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't have more specifics. I don't know their names. I don't remember. And then she's like, but she killed this guy's brother. Very interesting. Because at first I was like, what is the difference? But in her mind, she's like, obviously killing people. She justifies killing. But at the same time, it's like, who gives you the right to decide that? And I wonder if that's how she justifies her actions to herself and her past actions and thinking it was all for a certain purpose that was for the better. But was it? What do you all do you all think like she's justified in like killing people? Do you think she can still be like a superhero and kill people? Yes, I do. This kind of reminds me of the conversation we had when we were talking about House of M and killing uh, Scarlet Witch kind of immediately because we kind of talked about like, can you still be a hero? And I think the answer is yes. I think our superheroes have to draw the line as to where it's helpful and where it's hurtful versus the people they're protecting. But I think sometimes you kind of have to step outside of what you naturally would decide is good and bad, is right and wrong. And I think only certain characters can do that. Like I never... If Captain America tried to do that, A, everyone would riot. But B, it's not really within his character anyway. Like he's so used to like, all right, this is like the right thing regardless. And kind of, you know, killing another person unless he has to which i don't remember happening and secret empire doesn't count because that wasn't really him as far as that goes because we all know he killed natasha in that one but as far as like actually being a killer and still being a superhero i do think that yeah you need that out there and that's kind of where natasha steps in and that's where bucky steps into that role and that's where shield kind of has to deal in that murky gray area so much of i mean our real lives but i think even the superhero world is so gray like there's not black and white and when you try to make it black and white like with civil war and like with kind of that tries to make it black and white and you still end up in that gray middle area where it's like everything we do can't always be good and it might end up looking bad and bad things might happen, but that's because we're still working towards making the world safer or trying to protect these people or doing whatever. So I think Natasha exists in that gray area. And sometimes I think it gets grayer and murkier than other times. And depending kind of on what she is and who's writing her and what aspect of her personality we're looking at. But yes, I still consider her a superhero. And I think her actions still allow her to fall in line with that crowd. It's such a slippery slope though, because unless you're really abiding by the law, then something you do is going to be controversial, right? And the issue is deciding killing for the better. And obviously, like from Natasha's standpoint, from Bucky's, and I guess you can pull in like characters like the Punisher, you know, other heroes or anti-heroes, however you want to describe them. I mean, people still perceive what they're doing to be good. However, it becomes problematic when you have characters like, I guess, Magneto in certain circumstances where he's like, I'm doing what's best for the world. And it involves like, you know, killing a 
ton of people. But I mean, it does come down to, I guess, whether their motivations are selfish or if they're truly for the other person. But I mean, I do think Natasha's, I consider her to be a hero through and through, mainly because we see her character in each of these series and she's not a selfish person. And I do think she feels remorse for the things she's done in the past, Um, not necessarily for like killing bad people, but certain instances where, you know, she did kill innocent people. And I think she wouldn't feel that way if she wasn't a hero. And I think heroes, they're never perfect. And I think that's important to remember that like the archetype of a hero, they have trials and tribulations. And what makes them heroic is that they learn from that and they work to redefine themselves and better themselves. So I think Natasha flies in line with that. Yeah. I like how you mentioned that she's like, she has killed innocents in the past because I feel like that really helps her sort of like make a lot of her decisions that unlike like Captain America, like she has been on the other side and she knows like what that looks like. And she can kind of make that hard decision when a lot of other people can't. I kind of want to go back to the 2010 series and kind of the way that Natasha is presented in that, especially at that end of issue five, I guess, the end of that whole baby arc and things like that. Anyway, the end of that arc, because she has this whole thing where she talks about love, which I copied down a whole bunch of it because I thought it was so interesting and such a different perspective than we tend to see kind of in any comic or at least any superhero comic. I think you see it in like indie ones and smaller ones like that. So you tend to see it kind of in other comics, but not necessarily superhero ones. And specifically kind of the things that I copied down. And I think one of them might have been like the poem or the words of the famous writer. But all together, I kind of copied down. You tell yourself that everything you love will stay with you forever, even though it won't. Not even a little. And then she kind of goes on to say, all everything that I understand, I understand only because I love. And then kind of ends it with what matters is that we loved and lived. And I love that sentiment. I often think about how Justin talks about how he feels a lot of his emotions when he reads comics. And for me, reading superhero comics, like I'm never really like that emotional with things for the most part. Like I'm like, yes, it's super interesting. And I love this storyline. And when characters that I like die, like, of course, that's sad. But overall, I don't think we get a lot of that kind of love perspective coming out of things, especially like that concretely said and things like that and kind of explaining like, yeah, you expect it all to stay with you, but then it doesn't. But that's not a bad thing. It matters that you are loving people and that you are living in kind of that aspect of love. And especially kind of relating that to Natasha is so intriguing to me because she didn't have love really growing up. And then we've talked about her relationship with the other guys and things like that. And so she has like that aspect of love. But then in this story, they talk about when she was young and she had that husband and that baby who died. And kind of that was more quote unquote innocent Natasha. And that's kind of how like a lot of us, I think, would approach things like loving and living and putting that all together. And I don't want to speak for you guys because I know that's a super huge generalization. But at least for me, I love how it says... I love love. Um, No, but I love how it says everything I understand, I understand only because I love. Because especially for me, all the people that I love in my life and who have really impacted me are people that I would say like they have changed how I understand things and they have changed how I understand the world. And so for that to come from Natasha, the super spy who kills people, it was so emotional for me. And I really loved that aspect. And I don't know if that resonated with either of you guys. It's interesting that we were just talking about whether or not Natasha's a hero. And I think that right there kind of ties into that. And I think 
because despite all of her experiences, she still strives to reflect on that. And she still has love and she still, she recognizes her own humanity and how tragic life can be. Yet in a way, she's still hopeful. And I think that hopefulness is a big motivator for her to continue doing good. And I, I think that's and like you said, that that series in particular, that quote in particular, it was very inspiring, very powerful because we got to see that side of Natasha. And it's funny because a lot of aspects of this series, just kind of the how raw it is, reminded me a lot of The Life of Captain Marvel, which came out in 2018, just because it was a different t- kind of superhero story. Um, it was much more introspective and very focused on the character themselves and how they remain heroic in a world that is constantly challenging them to not, you know, stand up for themselves and stand up for what they believe to be good. So yeah, I mean, this series, that specific solo series in 2010 was just really powerful. I think her like struggling with her past is something, I mean, all superheroes do, but I feel like especially for Natasha, like her Red Room origins are always like rearing their ugly head and like pretty much every series in some capacity. Whether I think that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. Like sometimes I feel like it's warranted and it makes sense. In the 2010 series, I definitely didn't mind them delving into her past. But like in the 2016 series, Mark Wade, I just felt it was a little like over the top. It was just didn't really need to be brought up again. Like the second iteration of the Red Room, like the Dark Room Academy. I feel like there's a point where things just need to like die and the character needs to kind of still remember it, still reflect on it, but like grow beyond it and become something different. I also didn't really like the way that she came back in Tales of Suspense. It was a little too like sci-fi for me. But I mean, that's Matthew Rosenberg and that's his style as a writer. So take it or leave it. I think her willingness, like we kind of talked about earlier, like bloody her reputation, if it means like doing the like better good is something that she's always willing to do, which is not something that all characters are willing to do. Like I know in the 2010 series when like, they're about to arrest her. She's not really that phase. Like she's like, okay, like my boyfriend's like wants to arrest me, whatever. Like I'm on this mission and it's going to do a lot of good. And that's my main goal. So I think and something similar happens in the 2016 series. Yeah. I always think I'm like, Ooh, you're in a bad spot, Natasha. And then she's like whips out something like some incredible plan that she's been planning for like 10 months. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm not as smart as you. <laughs> She is not a loner. Like she tries. I like that part in like the 2014 series when like the cat won't leave her alone. She's like, go away, cat. And then by the end, she's like, like loves the cat. And I'm like, yeah, that's like your character. Like you say that you're a loner, but like there are loner characters and I don't really consider her one of them. That's what I love about her that she's always like three steps ahead. Yeah, I mean, she founded her own team too. Like she founded the like Champions of Los Angeles. And like, I feel like she is, can be a team player. For sure. And she likes doing that. Yeah, you know, like at the end of the 20, uh, 2014 series, I guess. Yeah, when she decides to join the Avengers. Like you said earlier, where she's like, I'm just going to be a loner, but I'm still going to be part of the Avengers. Well, yeah, I wrote a pretty long article about all that. I don't, I mean, there's a lot of different storylines that are really good that I think they could easily put into film version, PG 13 or R. Yeah, I love that little cat subplot. If I had my pick, I really like the storyline that like she was like raised in the red room, but they like gave her, they like brainwashed her and made her think that she was like this fantastic like ballerina and like had this like kind of almost like nice childhood, I guess, sort of. And then she like starts to remember that it's all like fake. I think that's just really like a powerful story that could be kind of interesting if they did it 
well on screen. I also hope they touch on like the super soldier part of her character because everyone forgets that. But like, that's how she can hold her own against a lot of other heroes. I think one of the other things that has stayed consistent with Natasha across everything is how she always wants to save people. And that has turned into different forms and kind of depending on the writer, depending on what's going on. But her end goal is always to get rid of the bad and save the good. And I actually love that about her for the most part. And you know, we've talked about how she exists in the gray area and maybe everything she chooses to do is not what I would choose to do. And it's not even like necessarily quote unquote, the exact right thing to do, but she always has good intentions. And I think all of the writers are able to see that very clearly and are able to put that into their writing very clearly as well. Even when it looks like, like in Tales of Suspense, there's what, like four issues where it kind of looks like Natasha is killing people and intentionally harming people and intentionally firing at her friends. And then you find out what actually was going on in the last issue. And that's really not what was happening. And you can kind of see her main goal and what she was going for the entire time. And I think that kind of stays true throughout all of it. And she kind of, I guess the best way to put it is she kind of drifts to the good people in her life. Like in the 2010 series, she has that friend Black Rose, who even though they both were like, I guess, killers, I guess that's what he was. They still kind of drifted together because they have good intentions and good aspects in their life. I'm trying to think about the other series and who was in the other ones. But kind of overall, you know, I think that's true. And I think, and she has like her lawyer, Isaiah, who's still looking out for her and still a good friend. And as much as she likes to pretend she's a lone wolf, that's not true overall. Like she still has people who are looking out for her. I mean, Bucky shows up and is looking out for her and other series the 2016 one maybe and so there's also that aspect and even talking about like the dark room that Peyton you were talking about you didn't really like how that was brought into things I think that still kind of shows how Natasha is still looking for the good in people and looking to make everyone around her better because she doesn't kill those girls she really wants to save them and really wants to make things better for them and so there's also that aspect of Natasha that kind I think of strange. Kind of stays I don't know. consistent throughout everything I liked her hair in like the Avengers. Like that was a good length. It's kind of short. It made sense. Yeah, I kind of agree. I don't know if I want an origin story per se, but I would like to see kind of her on her own, maybe like how she joined S.H.I.E.L.D. and like that transition there. I'd also love to see her Iron Man 2 hair back. That's just a personal opinion because I really loved her hair in Iron Man 2. I don't really like this blonde bob right now. Yeah, and I think that even comes into play even more recently, not necessarily with Tales of Suspense, a little bit before that. And whatever secret empire like spinoff she had where the young heroes come find her and are like hey teach us and she does but she also has like caveats about it and is like you guys don't really understand and i don't really want you like dealing with the killing aspect of things if i'm remembering things correctly so i think yeah that still comes into play and she still has that fondness maybe i don't know if it's necessarily like fondness but she has that natural inclination to kind of still try to shield other people but also still like let them draw like draw them in and kind of be like all right we're a team now although i don't know if i really want it to be an origin story i'm kind of conflicted because in the comics especially in these runs that we read her origin it never fully changes, but certain details about it change. And I mean, that's yeah. true kind of across comics anyway, regardless of who the character is. Things kind of, you know, change as it goes along. But I kind of like the mystery of Natasha's entire backstory. Like you kind of know what went on. You know how she came to be essentially. But 
I don't need to know everything she did before. I know she was a killer and I know she was brainwashed and kind of that's where I stand on it. I like little glimpses into it, little peeks if they did, little flashbacks or things like that. I would not be opposed to that. I don't think I'm saying that now, but who knows? So I would almost love to see kind of a new Natasha storyline or even that storyline of how she ends up with Cap after Civil War and before Infinity War, right? We don't know that, do we? But I don't think we know because at the end of Civil War, it's Cap and Bucky and he like breaks everyone out of prison. And then the next like introduction is them coming into Infinity War. So you don't really know where they've been and you don't really know how Natasha met up with him or what she did in the interim there. So I think that could be interesting to see. I don't know if they would do kind of that storyline to have it fall in that murky area. I don't know. And especially because we don't really know what's going to happen in Endgame yet. It's kind of hard to speculate fully. But I do think that that would be an interesting storyline. And they could take stuff from the comics without it being like overly comic heavy and overly having to kind of fully keep in line with what goes on in the comics. But you could still get interesting stuff out of it. She's really entertaining and like how she goes about missions and she's just really sleek. And I think she'd be a fun character to write too. Yeah, I mean, she's just, she doesn't just barge right in. She's not like Captain America or Hulk. Like she's very like sneaky. And I always find characters like that interesting to read because it's sort of like a mystery unfolding. That's partly why I like her. I also just love all redhead Marvel characters. So she works. Thinking about Natasha as a learner in the comics and then thinking about that scene in Infinity War where she like is going to kill um, Scarlet Witch and says like, oh, you're going to die alone. And it's Natasha who says, well, she's not alone. Like we're here to fight you as well. I almost think that's like a perfect Natasha line because she likes to be a loner, but I don't think she likes other people being loners. I think we've hinted at some of our answers, but I think it's always interesting to say why we're so drawn to this character slash why we like her. Maybe we don't like her, but maybe we, again, are kind of drawn to it and want to talk about that aspect but I think it's kind of always good to throw in there like what things of her that we specifically resonate with I like how you mentioned that she's like really like she wants to live because I feel like in comic books so often like characters get this like martyrdom complex and they're just kind of throwing themselves around like kind of wishing like to die in a way or at least just take on like suicide missions and that's definitely not natasha like she's planning she's like no i'm gonna get out of this alive like someone's gonna die and it's not gonna be me like that's really refreshing like captain marvel i think might honestly have a like suicide like plan i don't know she's crazy let's talk a little bit about the art in these three series because i'm an art hoe and i thought the art in all of them regardless of the stories was amazing. They each brought their own style and Natasha looks different in each one, but I really loved the art in all of them. Which one like really resonated with you artistically? For me, definitely the 2014 series one. I love the art in that. I love the coloring too. I just always find it interesting when the art or at least the colors are in such a relatively violent story when the colors and the art is much more like vibrant and dynamic. I just find that to be a really interesting contrast, but I love the art in that. It was just beautiful. I started, I got into Black Widow because of those like Phil Noto covers that I kept on seeing at like cons and stuff. So for me, I feel like I also really like his art because he actually really creates faces that are always the same. So like a character from issue one to like the last issue looks the same, like their facial expressions and their features. And I don't think most artists can do that. That's like really, really hard. So huge pat on the back to Phil Noto for doing that and giving us like the quintessential like Black Widow and like what she actually looks like. I think it's a big complaint for people 
Like it makes people like pretty angry to see like you can't really visualize what your favorite character looks like because from scene to scene, they look different. In the 2010 series, there is a scene where it opens in like a bar and there's like a girl with like the lowest cut dress possible. And like she has blonde hair and she's like talking to the guy that Natasha needs to talk to. And I feel like you just kind of assume that that's Natasha like wearing a disguise. And she brings him out into the alleyway and there's Natasha waiting in like a trench coat. And she like is like, yeah, thanks for bringing him out here for me. And I just think that's really... I mean, I don't like the sexualization of that other girl, but I like that they didn't... Marjorie Lou didn't fall into that same pattern of oh, Natasha's a pretty spy, so she's always dressing up like a pretty girl and using her sexuality as like a way to do her job better. I really found that a great way to dissect that. I also love um, how each issue ended with the Black Widow like forming its web. That was also... And there's also a lot of little details that are just really awesome. Yeah, I didn't understand why it needed to happen. Being like in a freezer, like naked, I can't imagine anything worse. Like, that's pretty terrible. So I feel like his drawings aren't necessarily very sexualized of her in that scene. Like, it easily could have been, like, under Boob City, but it's really not. Like, he... It's really trying to emphasize, like, her skin is, like, deathly, like, blue-colored, and, like, it looks really unnatural and, like, unsettling. So I feel like it might have been just trying to emphasize how uncomfortable she is. I think I also like the 2019 art. I think I haven't seen enough of it fully to kind of decide, but... I don't hate it, at least. Like, looking at it, I'm like, okay, cool. But yeah, definitely the 2014 Phil Noto art was my absolute favorite. I think I said at the beginning of the podcast, or I said it to you guys before the podcast, that I didn't really like the story in that one, but I really liked the art. And so the art is really why I kept reading. Yeah, I wasn't really reading it for the story aspect and for that kind of thing. I really wanted to see how everything was drawn and colored and laid out on the pages as far as that goes. But yeah, I don't actually think that I disliked any of the art in any of these series. There was one part where I remember thinking Natasha was like really over-sexualized a little bit, but I don't remember. I don't remember what series that was either. So in the 2019 series, she took up wearing like Wolverine's patch disguise. It was just really creative and just a great like homage to like Wolverine. But I mean, it also shows like how she can fight in a outfit that's not a cat suit. I liked her all white outfit in the 2014 Phil Noto series too, where it's like, it's on one of the covers too. I like it when it's like a character who, who always wears like one color and then they like turn it on his head. I mentioned this too before. And I know it was a homage to Wolverine, but it did remind me of Kill Bill. And I love Kill Bill. It's like one of my favorite movies. And the, like the eye patch and the outfit, I don't know. It just reminded me of Kill Bill. So I'm just going to keep thinking about it. Also, I love like the all white outfit. Like you said, like, it, I don't know. It was, it was really badass. Covered for number 20, which looks really cool. It's like her hair is like forming out and it looks like a street. There's another scene. It's like Natasha changing clothes and each of the panels like shows her putting on a different thing, but you never like see her putting the shirt over her top, like upper half. So for me, like taking away from that was also like intentionally not over-sexualizing her. So like, you know, she's changing and you like see her putting her clothes on, but it's not in the same way where it's like, all right, like a full body shot of her just putting on her clothes or like that upper body shot as far as that goes. It was something small, but it definitely was something that I noticed and was like, wow, this is, I like this. We didn't need to see her putting that on because you kind of already know what happened. (laughs) I know. I totally agree. I think your point about the fact that she doesn't really have 
anyone who could like take her place is really well put because most characters do have someone who's kind of been like their mentor and is kind of waiting to like step up. Like you said, like Bucky for Captain America or Laura Go for look up that issue, everyone. But for Black Widow, she doesn't really have that. But it was sort of like another Black Widow. And she does have like other Black Widow who's also in like the Red Room with her, Yelena. So, but she's crazy and they have a rough past. So I don't think she would want to take over for Natasha. She like stole her face and various other things happened that were weird. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think without Black Widow, there is a hole in Marvel Comics that no one else can fill. So if she hadn't come back, it would have been like really noticeable. I really actually like how she died in Secret Empire, though. I thought it was incredibly powerful. The writing combined with the art was just like that one panel is like 15 looks like so, a weird like emotionally powerful like wolverine type idea yeah that one's weird i don't like that one it's like he like hits her with the shield because she like dies yes, in front of i love that one miles and then the artist does like this like close-up of like her face and her like falling to the ground and it's just like it's really poignant <laughs> yeah i'm like oh how do i buy these but i want yeah. the like big print versions i don't really need the whole comic do you think she should have stayed dead for longer after Secret Empire? I don't think it was necessary for her to stay dead longer. Partially because of the way she died. As in, she actually died, as far as that goes. And partially because I think there's a huge hole left in... Not necessarily like Marvel Comics, because there are so many characters, but a huge hole left kind of in the space that she normally takes up. And I think it's even more so for her than necessarily like when Jean died or when Cyclops died or Wolverine, like other things like that, or even like Steve Rogers. I think Natasha, there's not so much someone there who can take her place. Versus like with Jean, you know, like I don't even need to tell you guys, but everyone kind of, you know, took stepped up, took over that empty spot. The same with Cyclops. Like there's always going to be a leader of the X-Men kind of regardless of who's died and who's around. And even with Wolverine, like, I mean, we got Laura. So you kind of already had someone to take that place anyway. And I know there's been a whole lot of other characters who've died, but those are the three that I'm sticking with right now. Versus like Natasha, where she does have this very specific role within within comics, within Marvel comics, within the Avengers, within S.H.I.E.L.D. or what's left of S.H.I.E.L.D. Even within the relationship she has with the other Avengers, I think it makes sense for her to not really stay dead. And kind of going along with that, I think it makes sense mostly for how she came back. Obviously, there are always like different ways that they could have brought her back. But as far as this one goes, like it's not surprising to me that that's the way she kind of was resurrected as far as that goes and as far as what Matthew Rosenberg chose to do with her. So no, I don't think she needed to stay dead that much longer. Honestly, I think the repercussions played out very quickly and they were very apparent. So it wasn't even like a slow build to things. Like you very clearly saw what happened as soon as she died. And uh, you saw not evil Steve react to it, but you saw good Steve. This is also complicated, but you know, not Hydra Cap, but you saw a regular Cap kind of respond to what happened to Natasha and you saw, I mean, Tales of Suspense is all about Bucky and Hawkeye kind of going after her and figuring that out too and the repercussions for them as well and kind of figuring out what to do with her as far as that goes too. So I thought it was fine. I wasn't against it myself. But I always forget that like Captain America and Scarlet Witch had like a brief thing. So, you know, I never want to link. In the comics, 
It was like way back when, back when like Scarlet Witch was like the only female and they just kind of traded her around. In the comics, I don't believe so. I could be wrong, but I don't. That's not like, yes, that happened. In like 2006. Oh my God, that was so long ago. Wow. I'm so old. Okay. They made like an animated Avengers movie and I remember watching it and like Black Widow and Cap had a thing and then made like a next Avengers movie. Like I want to say like a year or so later and it was like they had a kid and it was like the next generation of the Avengers. I watched it before like the MCU started and so the MCU started I'm like oh lit like we're actually gonna be a live action Avengers movie. Yeah no it, they can't they were actually really good movies. They had like giant they had like everybody in it. Captain America gets around man. Yeah I, so I remember watching that and I'm like okay I can totally get behind Black Widow and Captain America and that's why I kind of in Winter Soldier I was like okay I can get behind this. I can't decide if that one would be weirder than Natasha and Bruce Banner. I don't know. I agree. That being said, it still seems weird to me. Like, they should not be romantically linked, in my opinion, partially because I think Natasha and Bucky belong together. And so, like, it would be weird that, you know, the best friends dated the same girl in that situation. But I don't know for sure. Well, if you don't know anything about Black Widow, if you're listening to this podcast and for some reason you chose to listen to this podcast and you don't know anything about Black Widow, I would really suggest reading her Black Widow Deadly Origins miniseries, which has like flashbacks to the various stages of her life. And it does a really good job showing everything without having to read all those old nasty comics. They're not nasty, but they're very old. And if you love Black Widow, try reading her newest series. It's only two issues out, but it's already amazing. So good. Do you guys have a specific run or all the runs that you would recommend for people to read? The 2010 series I read for the first time last week, that's still like affecting me emotionally. So if you want to get in your feels, that's a good one to read. Yeah, I agree about the 2010 one. If you kind of want to see the other side of Natasha, I think it's worth reading the 2010 one. And you don't even have to read the last three issues because to me, those ones weren't weren't quite as relevant to the overall emotional arc for me. Of course, you can read whatever you want out of it. <laughs> but definitely the first beginning part of that with all that love stuff that I already talked about a bunch. But to reiterate all of the love stuff that Natasha kind of goes through. And then if you kind of want to be up to date on more current comics before I recommend reading the newest Black Widow run, I would say read Tales of Suspense. Because even if you don't like Bucky or Hawkeye, you still get that aspect of Natasha coming back. And um, if you haven't read Secret Empire, don't read it. No, just kidding. As far as Natasha goes, she does have her like spinoff that even if you don't really know what's going on in Secret Empire, you could read that one. But even if you don't want to read all of that, I would say kind of check out that last scene that we were talking about of Cap killing Natasha. So you can kind of see like where everyone starts off with in Tales of Suspense and kind of going from there. So yeah, so I would say read Tales of Suspense and then definitely the new Black Widow. I love already and I'm so excited for it to be for more issues to come out. Although I really would love for it not to be a limited run and just go on forever and ever and ever. But obviously that won't happen. So yeah, and I think if you, no matter how you feel about Black Widow in the MCU, I know there are very, very many mixed opinions about her out there. Uh, I still think it's worth kind of diving into her comics to see because I think some of what Scarlett Johansson portrays on screen as Black Widow gets rounded out by the comics. And there are more things you can see once you've kind of taken a deeper dive into her comics and seen what gets portrayed on screen versus what's in the comics. So that's where I stand on it. 
And of course, if you really love Black Widow, read all of them. Check out our Black Widow stuff, Hayden's Black Widow stuff on Comicsverse and Maite's reviews of the issues that are coming out. Those come out monthly, I believe. And if you have any suggestions for what you think the next Black Widow MCU movie should be about, let us know. We'd really love to hear it because we love debating this and kind of seeing where everyone else stands on this as well. 